Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number 34. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and today we're talking options pricing. What makes up an options price? What are the factors that are included in that? And then also, what does it mean to sell volatility? What does it mean a short volatility strategy? What are we talking about there? So a couple things with an options price. You may have heard of the Black-Scholes model. Black-Scholes is, can be a complicated formula. Uh, believe it or not, though, you can do it in Excel. But it, it really prices an option. And what is an option? Well, an option, of course, is a derivative of some underlying. In other words, let's say you have an S&P 500. You have an option, a call, or a put on that. Or let's say you've got a stock. There's calls and puts on the stock. Well, an options price is derived from the price of the underlying and the move in the underlying, but it also is really created and uh, priced based upon a couple main points. Number one is how long before today until the option expires? And so most you know, options are issued and they have an expiration date. Some expirations are a couple days away. Some are over two and a half you know, years away, uh, something like a leap option. So time is a key factor. The more time, theoretically, the more time value there is left until expiration. Uh, Time is certainly a big factor. And the reason why time is a factor is the more time there is, uh, the more runway or more room for something to happen. Uh, The other factor is looking at the strike price of an option related to the underlying. So let's say that you had a, a current price of a stock of about $40. And you were looking at a call option of 42, meaning uh, in order for it to be in the money, the price of the underlying stock would have to be greater than 42. Currently, right now, in our example, it is out of the money. And so where a underlying asset is, stocks or indexes or anything else, in relation to a strike price, matters a lot because the further out of the money it is, the less chance it has of going in the money. Uh, Kind of a broad statement, right? So in or out of the money, distance from the strike price certainly matters. The other thing that, that matters, and it's often forgotten, is interest rates. In basically in Black Scholes model, you're using a risk free rate. And so the risk free rate normally is, you know, maybe what a 30 uh, three month treasury or yeah, something like a three month treasury, a lot of people use as a, a discount rate, but it's a riskless asset. Where could you go or really the opportunity cost of foregoing a riskless asset for something? And then really one of the biggest ones is volatility. And what do we mean by volatility? Well, I've always said that an option or the options market is pricing options, which are derivative of, of an underlying based upon future expectations. And so if the options market thinks the underlying asset is going to be much more volatile, it's going to reflect that in the prices. Why? Because it has more of a chance of moving a greater amount. To kind of give you some perspective on this, if, uh, if you had something that has, let's say, an implied volatility of 15.875, and that's an annual number, well, in order to, to figure out what the size or an expected one standard deviation move is, and you remember the whole bell curve where you have a 68% of the time values are between that, that bell curve and then two standard deviations is 95% of the time and three standard deviations you know, further out a little bit. But let's say you've got 
a stock that has a volatility of uh, 15.875. Well, in order to figure out the one day, you would take the square root of 252. Why? Because that's the number of trading days in a year, excluding when you have uh, a leap year, right? That would be uh, 253. And that is also about 15.875 and then a bunch of numbers after it, but rounded. And what that tells us, if you divide the implied volatility by the square root of 252, um, the value, the, the, the result of that formula is one. And basically what we're saying there, the one day, one standard deviation expected move is, uh, is 1%, you know, up or down, right? Uh, so a two standard deviation would be 2%. And so one of the things you see, and we did uh, an episode where we talked about what the options market tells us about uh, how much a stock may move after earnings. But right before earnings, the market's expectation for future moves goes up. And so the higher the implied volatility, you know, using our, our example there, uh, for example, if you, let's say, uh, had a, a 30, you know, 30% volatility, uh, then it's, it's roughly, you know, right around a 2% one day, one standard deviation expected move. Okay. What that means for how an option is priced, how its premium is derived, is that greater expectations of of moves is going to be priced into the price of an option. And then, of course, uh, we also have something called, when we look at an option's price, we say there is either intrinsic value or extrinsic value. So intrinsic value, looking at our, our simple example where we have a stock price at 40 and then we've got an exercise price at 42, um, there is no intrinsic value in that. If the stock was at 43 and our exercise price, our strike price is 42, we would say there's a dollar of intrinsic value. So intrinsic means how much is something in the money. Extrinsic value is really, you know, the quick definition is the time value, but it's really time and, and volatility. So the extrinsic value is something, the value that's not in the money. It's not, there's no value right there from where the option can be exercised at. So when we have an option, and I'll just do a quick calculation, I put a 42 strike price call. Uh, actually, it doesn't matter. It could be a put as well. Uh, but a 42 exercise price, and we'll look at the call and the put. The put would be in the money. Why is it in the money? Well, on the put, we have the right to sell something uh, at the strike price. And if it's a strike price of 42 and the current, strike or current stock price is 40, it's in the money by $2, right? Because you're allowed to sell it at 42, even though it's trading at 40. The call is out of the money. Why? Because the, uh, the current stock, stock price is 40 and the exercise is 42. It's out of the money by $2. So we'll do this. Uh, let's use about 100 days in expiration. And I've already told you the strike price of 42, the stock price of 40. Well, let's say the implied volatility is 20%. We use a risk-free rate of 2.5%. Okay, I just threw a bunch of numbers at you, but here's, here's how this would be priced using the Black-Scholes model. Uh, the call option value would be $0.98, cents, and then the put value would be $2.70. And the call would have no intrinsic value because it's out of the money. So therefore, 100% of the option's value is extrinsic, meaning it's time or volatility value. And then the put option 
where its price is 270, the intrinsic value is $2 and the extrinsic value is 70 cents, meaning it's in the money for $2 by $2. And so anything on top of that in the value of the option is going to be extrinsic value. So to give you an idea though, uh, let's say that we double the volatility. So instead of an annualized 20%, and if you want to get the one day, it's it would be 20 divided by that 15.875. But let's double it to 40%. So we're doubling the expectations for future moves. Well, now the call option would be about $2.62, $2.62, and the put option would be $4.33. And so you, you can see that jump. Uh, just focusing on the call for a second, it went from just under a dollar now to $2.62. And I talk about this because implied volatility or the volatility component, meaning how does the option market perceive an underlying asset, the likelihood of it being trading in a certain range, and as the range gets wider, its price gets wider because it factors that in. And so the higher the volatility, the more robust options prices are. The lower the volatility, the less robust options prices are. Um, now, if we go back to the... Uh, our 20% volatility. And let's say we go in from 100 days, we go to only 50 days left until expiration. Remember, our call option was 98 cents. Now it goes down to 50 cents, assuming the same implied volatility. And so hopefully you kind of get the, the idea. Time matters, how much time until expiration, interest rates, although Unless you have a longer dated option or a big change in interest rates, they are less of a factor. Often forgot, often forgot, but less of a factor. Uh, but the volatility is a huge component. And obviously, if the stock price, so let's keep our, we got our 20% volatility with 50 days left to expiration. Well, let's change the stock price. If the stock price dropped, let's say it goes to 35, our option would drop from 50 cents to a penny. And so the distance in or out of the money and then how far away from the strike price an underlying asset is plays a big part, but also volatility plays a huge part in the pricing of an option. Now, when we talk about selling volatility and what that means, well, it's really that component of the extrinsic value. And selling volatility means capturing premium, uh, usually either through selling calls or selling puts or selling, or as we say, short shorting put spreads or shorting call spreads. Uh, and the way you know, we obviously do it is far away from the money. So deep out of the money and deep out of the money connotates a higher probability of uh, not an impossibility, but a higher probability of an underlying asset not getting there. And as a seller, you don't want things to get close to the money or in the money. Uh, the further away, the better. And the way I look at selling volatility is remember the intrinsic value is really the in the money amount and everything extrinsic, I compare that kind of like if you held an ice cube. And an ice cube will eventually, especially on a hot day, but uh, you hold it in your hand and eventually an ice cube might be cold, but it will melt away to nothing. And the extrinsic value, when you sell volatility or you short volatility, what you're looking to do is you're essentially selling ice cubes. Well, you're not selling ice cubes. You're, you're selling something and you hope that as time decay happens and as the market stays well away from your uh, short strikes prices, that that 
extrinsic value, that volatility value goes away and you eventually get to keep the premium. And this is, uh, so we say short volatility, there's a lot of different connotations of that. And some people only equate shorting volatility to doing something with the VIX index. The VIX index, of course, uh, measures the uh, right around 30-day uh, option premiums on the S&P 500. It's a cash index. But there are, when you short volatility, generally, um, it doesn't have to be VIX. You could be selling options. You'd be selling call or put spreads. And you can be doing those month after month on underlying indices or indexes. So you're selling the the time premium, you're selling the volatility premium. And as I said, with the ice cube example, you're looking for uh, those to melt away. And then eventually, hopefully you get to keep the premium that's left. Now, the other part of, so we talked about how options are priced and what goes into its price. And Obviously, if this is your first, you know, exposure to what an option is, uh, you got some research to do before you get to get to that level of, of of pricing options. But the other question that comes up: well, How do you know how much something will change based upon something changing in the market or some level of volatility changing? And that's where you get to the option Greeks. And so the option Greeks are Delta, Gamma, Vega, Theta, Rho. And before we get uh, uh, an email saying, "Wait a second." Uh, I think it's Vega isn't actually a Greek. It's I don't believe it is, but it's part of what we call the option Greeks. And so if you want to, those categories or those the option Greeks are ways that you can tell when something changes for every 1% change of a factor, what happens to the premium. And so your delta, basically what that tells you is for every one point move up or down, uh, your delta would be the percent change of the options premium. Now, an important thing here is you can't necessarily say, wait a second, my stock moves 10 points and so my delta is 50%. Uh, well, then I'll, I'll make or lose $5. It's not linear. I mean, it doesn't, uh, it, it goes up at a different rate. So the delta is only for a $1 change in your underlying asset, right? Um, because that delta is going to change. And in fact, the new delta, so if your delta was 50% and the stock moved a dollar and you made or lost uh, or your premium made or, or gained uh, uh, 50 cents, the gamma is actually what your new delta would be after a $1 move or a one-point move in, an, in the underlying. Uh, Vega simply says for every 1% change in implied volatility, how much will your options premium go up or down? Theta is for every day that passes how much will a long option lose in value? How much will a short option uh, lose in value, which would be positive? So how much comes out of the premium for each day that passes? And then row is really for every 1% change in interest rates, what would happen to an options premium? Row, by the way, on shorter term options, uh, it it deals with the cost of carry. And I probably won't get into that on, on this podcast. It gets a little bit deeper, but uh, basically... Shorter term options, your money wouldn't get that much interest anyway. So, but certainly big changes could make calls or puts different. And I did mention also, not contained in in those uh, five option Greeks, but dividends play a role because dividends are priced into uh, the put value. And the reason why that is because let's say if you had a a stock that paid a really high dividend, well. 
you could theoretically collect the dividend and then buy a put to, to you know, have a hedge. But the problem is uh, there's no riskless things on, on Wall Street. And so you might say, well, I'll just buy the stock, collect the dividend, and buy a really cheap put option. Well, the price of that or the dividend is going to be embedded in the price of the put. Um, and so I'll just understand that. I'll leave that uh, for now. But uh, so just kind of to sum up, uh, I've gotten a lot of questions about, hey, what does it mean to short volatility? What is this? Why does an option get priced the way it does? And then how could you tell what a an option's price or what would be a change to an option's price? And so we know that the option Greeks, those are informing us about for every one point uh, increment in something, what will be the, the effect on an option's premium? And we also know that uh, when we talk about pricing an option, uh, the two biggest components are going to be how far away or in the money uh, an underlying is relative to a strike price. And then also how much implied volatility, how much expectations of future moves are happening. And the goal with shorting volatility is to sell spreads, uh, option spreads on underlyings that are really far away from the current price that have a high probability uh, based upon all the metrics of expiring worthless, which means you get to keep the premium. And you're also, you're looking to generate income. And income is interesting because as we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks on the last few episodes, uh, once again, interest rates on bonds is really low. And so the real return on bonds, meaning the return above inflation, taking your interest rate that you receive minus the inflation rate, it's not great right now. That spread is not. So the real return is very, very minimal, in some cases negative. So we see more and more people looking for alternative forms of income and shorting volatility on some percentage of a portfolio or within the make of, of a portfolio, it might fit as a smaller percentage of an overall strategy. So uh, if you have questions on that, I will put my links. You can always go to RazorWealth.com uh, where you will find the contact me. And I would love to hear from all of you. By the way, uh, rather than wasting time, as I always say, asking you to rate and review, if you find this content valuable, please share with somebody, uh, send them a link, tell them how you can, uh, they can sign up for podcast. In fact, if uh, you know you have friends who are not familiar with podcasts, there's tons out there right now, uh, including this one. And so they might find those uh, exciting and, and interesting. And especially somebody has to commute to work or go to the gym or do anything where they, uh, you know, they can listen uninterrupted for a while. You might find some value. So uh, with that, we'll leave it there. We'll keep this one short. And next week we will have a guest and we'll talk then. Mm-hmm.